hears what God is doing. He speaks what God is speaking. And there's nothing better than being around someone that just wants what God wants, that wants the Holy Spirit to move and be uh, poured out in our lives. And that's why he is back with us for maybe third or fourth time, whatever it is, in the last eight years, seven years or so. We're blessed. So, Pastor Ty, would you come give us the word that God has laid on your heart, and we know that God is going to use you this morning. Come on, let's give him a hand right up. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> love my family, friends here at Radiant. Man, I love what y'all are doing. It's so cool, man. Just so cool about over, over all the years just being friends with your pastors. For real. Okay, I didn't say this in first service, but I'm going to say it in second service because you were nice. Pastor was nicer to me in second service. First service, he's like, yeah, you're actually getting kind of good at this whole preaching thing, which is fine. Um, but you know what is funny? Uh, I travel around the country, around the world, uh, preaching and teaching. I get to experience a lot of pastors, a lot of churches. And I'll let you know, you guys here with the grosses have some of the greatest pastors in the nation, for real. Yeah, they're amazing. So, hey, thank you guys for your friendship. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are killing it. But today you're stuck with me. So here we go. I uh, know. So uh, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you uh, something that's real. I told you every time I've been here, actually. Uh, so my wife and I, we are, we've been married for almost eight years. No clapping. That's fine. Um, rude. No. Too late. You missed it. You hate marriage. So here's the thing. Um, but with those bunch of years of marriage, we get asked continuously, we have been asked a long time, uh, the question was always this, when are you guys going to have kids? Our answer has been the same uh, for a very long time. And our answer was always, we don't know when we're having kids, but we practice all the time. Praise God. And if you're here and you're married and you did not think that was funny, that just means that you need more practice. All right? Praise Jesus. All right. So, but practice has worked out. And now we have a baby. Uh, we have a baby named Moses. Yeah, that's our dude. Yeah, he good. He good. He good. All right. You can, uh, you can put him away. Okay. It's fine. Uh, no, but I love him so much. He's so cool. He's so crazy. He's like actually fun now, you know? So the first part of it was just not fun. But now we're having a really good time. And so, no, I'm, I'm so excited. And so today, um, I really want to talk about um, Holy Spirit as a comforter. We're going to talk under the title, I guess, Jesus Wept, uh, talking about how that relates to us and we can relate to that. Um, but I want to start it off with a story that is 100% true. Uh, none of it is exaggerated, although I guess I could add it for, for effect. But So when I was six years old, I was on a plane that caught on fire. So and there's a difference between a plane on fire and a plane on fire. We were on a plane that caught on fire. So here's how it goes. So I'm, uh, I'm six years old. I'm on a typical just white person vacation, which is where you go anywhere, get sunburned, doing anything, which is what I do basically every day of my life. And so I do that. Uh, we do our, our vacation. But we, we grew up, and I grew up, and we had no money. We were so broke. So we went to Orlando, and you might be thinking, oh, well, that's so great. You went to Disney World. No. Downtown Disney, no. We went to a Disney store and looked around and did not buy a thing. That was our vacation. That was the summary of it. We also, for some reason, went to a lot of timeshare meetings. I don't know what that was about, but uh, whatever. And so did all that. And then um, yeah, some people know. Okay. And so, but, so we did that. The vacation ends, and we are about to fly home to, to Michigan where we lived at the time. So we're flying from Florida to Michigan and, you know, about to get on the plane. And all of a sudden, the flight attendant comes out and says, hey, we're so sorry, but the plane, this, this flight isn't going to work out. Your next flight is going to be in seven hours from now, six or seven hours. And we're like, this is not fun. Um, okay, but then we waited out. We waited out. And then we're about to get on, on another flight to go home. And they come out once again. Flight attendant comes out and says, hey, we're so sorry. But again, this is going to be another probably five or six hours of delays. And you might be wondering, Ty, 
what kind of airline would treat you so poorly? And I don't know about you. I want to be a good Christian and not put, you know, a bad name on anybody. So we're going to make up a fake name for the airline. We're going to call it mm, Spirit Airlines, okay? Because it was, okay? Okay, so, but here's the thing. When you pay $8 for a flight, you know what you get? An $8 flight. And so we experienced all that Spirit had to offer or doesn't. And so what, we're, we're finally about to get on a plane. And it is late at night. It's probably 2 or 3 in the morning. And it's my mom's stepdad, sister, and, um, and yeah, so there, and then myself. So there's four of us. So And there are four, the four of us. And then there's three seats that are together in the middle of the plane. There's one ticket that's for the very last seat right in front of the bathroom next to a total stranger. And as the favorite child, I was given the seat by the toilet. And so at least that's what I believed. And honestly, for whatever weird reason, in my six-year-old mind, I believed that this was my moment that I am now a man. I take my ticket and I'm like sitting by a stranger in front of the toilet is exactly what being a man apparently was all about. I don't know what my influences were, but whatever. It's too late now. And so I, I'm excited. I get the ticket and I am strutting down the, down the aisle. I'm excited. I'm just pumped up. And then everything changed for me. I saw who I was going to sit next to. And to my six-year-old mind, I saw a lady, she was doing one of these, just one of these, not really breathing, and um, I believed that she was dead. So I, I said this loudly to my mom. I'm in the back, she's in the middle. I say, Mom, there is a dead woman next to me. And she said, Ty, if you don't sit your butt down, you're going to be the dead woman. And I still don't know what that means, but like, for real, I was so nervous, like, I don't know. So I sit down next to her, I'm kind of freaked out. We, uh, you know, the plane... The plane's about to take off. I'm always curious when I tell this story. Uh, no, no shame, but raise your hand if you have never been on a plane before. If you've never been on a plane before, raise your hand. Okay, basically almost everybody. Right? A bunch of chains. So here's the thing. Planes do not normally catch on fire. Just so be, be at ease. But this time it did. So, um, so we take off. It typically takes about you know, 20, 30 minutes to get to cruising altitude, 30,000 feet. So... <coughs> Excuse me. So about six minutes or so into the flight, we're about, you know, probably 10,000 feet into the air. All of the sudden, the lights turn off on the plane. And I'll be real with you. The only time we really saw anything was when, because it was also storming at the time, was when lightning would flash. It would fill the entire cabin of the, of the plane. It was kind of bizarre, kind of random. I was kind of looking around thinking that this is kind of strange. Oh, sorry. And I forgot to tell you, at the same time, the engines turned off. So we go from ascending up in light, and then the lights turn off, the engines turn off, and all, the, and all of a sudden it feels like my stomach is up in my throat, and like, you feel like you're kind of falling a little bit. But then in the midst of chaos, don't you know that God can do a miracle, and the woman who was dead is raised to life. Praise Jesus. And so she uh, wakes up from her slumber or whatever it was. And I will never, for as long as I live, forget what she told me. She looks over to me and she says, it's okay. We're just gliding. <laughs> okay. So I might have been six, but I wasn't stupid. Because I know that gliding is just another way to say that you are falling. Which is basically kind of what we did. The pilot gets on the intercom and says, hey, um, I don't know what's going on, but we have to take an emergency landing. None of the words you want to hear. And so back then, you know, this is, you know, many years ago, it's like 24 years ago. So they would give you little pillows on the plane. So I grabbed that little pillow. I shoved it into my face. And I gave my life to Jesus 
747 times. Like, so I prayed everything. I got to give you my life. And then I start, you know, praying for others. I'm like, God, I give you my mom. I give you my dad. Do whatever you want with my sister. You know, like, I don't know. I didn't want to waste the prayer. I don't know. And so then eventually we, we do land. We actually land at the airport we had taken off from. And from the back of the plane, all of a the sudden, these firefighters come from the back, run to the front of the plane, and they get us all off the plane. So by this time, it's roughly 3 or 4 in the morning, and we had to get off the plane and go to a hotel for the evening because they had no flights, of course, for, for many, many hours, probably 12 hours. And so we, we go to, not a hotel, we had no money, again, remind you, we had no money. So we did not go to a motel, we didn't just go to a hotel, we stayed at an hotel. Like, oh my gosh, we got to stay here. And so we're, we're at this place, uh, it's really shady, but it's fine, and we wake up. We have some, you know, some, you know, some cereal in the morning. We're watching the local news channel, and it said this, breaking news. Last night, a plane caught on fire. And all we could think was, wow, that must have been a really bad experience for, for them. We made it out really good. And then it said, yeah, it was actually a flight out of Orlando. We're like, that's crazy. That was, our, that was the place we were at. How did we not hear about this? And then they also said, hey, we just want to clarify, this is a Spirit Airlines flight. We already assumed as much. And so we go there, and then, and then it showed the flight number. And the flight number was the same as the one that on our tickets from the night before on the table. And we realized that our plane had literally caught on fire. So some wires in the cockpit had corroded, causing sparks, causing flame. And so then there was a, a small fire in the cockpit of the airplane that we were in. And needless to say, for a good long time, I was so anxious and afraid to fly. For a good like 15 years of my life, I refused as much as possible to not get on an airplane because I was convinced it was going to happen again. And so I missed out on missions trips I wanted to go on, vacations occasionally. And then in high school, my dad would try to do these moments, these like father-son trips, just the two of us trying to you know, build some relational equity. And it was a really great idea. And then one day he's like, hey, Ty, I've got this trip for us. I've got it planned for, paid for. I'm excited to go. In a couple of weeks, we're going to go uh, to, to Los Angeles, a large city, kind of see some cool stuff. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is exciting. I'm like, where are we going to stop on the way? And he's like, what do you mean on the way? And I'm like, well, we're driving, obviously. And he's like, no, we're flying. And I said, no, we're not. I'm like, I'm sorry, Dad, I have a date that night. He says, Ty, you've barely even talked to girls. And I was like, that's not nice, but it's fine. And so, but um. So we, I end up, this is real, I convinced my dad not to go on a vacation. He had it planned for, paid for, was prepared for all of it. But here's what happened. My anxiety, my fear, it kept me from going the places my father was wanting me to go. And I got this feeling that there are many in this room, many believers watching online as well, that maybe your fear, your anxiety, your past trauma has kept you from going the places your heavenly father is calling you to go. And so what I want to do this morning for just a couple minutes is to un understand how we can relate to Jesus in this, how Holy Spirit, who is a comforter for us, can comfort us through the things in our past and guide us for our future. And at the end of service, just for a couple of like, like five, six minutes, we're going to go through a kind of a guided prayer time to kind of experience God in a very uh, new way. Because I don't know about you, but there are things that have happened in my life that have hurt me, that have caused problems in me. And there's this popular phrase that hurt people hurt people. And that happens for many of us. But I don't want us to leave this place as hurt people who hurt people. I want us to leave today as free people who free people. 
Because, man, hurt people hurt people, but free people free other people. And so I used to be hurt who would, you know, would say no to so many things, but then God did something in my heart. I mean, I, someone walked me through a prayer like we're going to walk you through, and now I'm a more free person in that process perpetually to free other people. And so we're going to go to the Word of God in a moment. But just to illustrate this kind of one more time, just another way to think about it. So once a year, my dad, so lovingly and almost sarcastically, he sends me a photo of myself every single year of me in a wheelchair. So he sends me uh, this photo. Uh, yeah, so there I am. I'm frustrated. The fact that you're laughing already is very unkind, okay? And so I know I've been here like three or four times, but chill out, okay? And so, so I, was, uh, I was helping my dad out. I was carrying a desk from the main level into the basement, and I also was wearing socks while walking down the stairs, about as adventurous and uh, athletic as I am. And so I'm going down the stairs. I fall, I slip, and I believe I've broken my ankle. And I yell to my dad, like, you got to get me to the hospital. So we get to the hospital. I put my arm around my dad. I'm kind of limping in. I can't put any pressure on my broken ankle. And we go in, get x-rays. We sit and we wait for a long time for the doctor. The doctor comes in before he can say anything. I say, doctor, just give it to me straight. Am I ever going to walk again? And y'all laughing again. Chill. Okay. No, so, so, but for me, I was serious. I was like, am I ever going to walk? I was so convinced I was broken. And then he's like, uh, you have something. Um, I, I actually, uh, you're going to walk out of here. And in this moment, I'm like, oh, thank God. He's a believer. He believes in miracles. And so I asked him, hey, what church do you go to? He's like, oh, I don't do that. He's like, but um, you have something in the medical community called a sprained ankle. And he's like, so you can leave. Uh, he's like, you can leave the hospital. You're good. And so I'm like, okay, cool. It's not as bad as I thought it was. And so I start rolling myself out of the hospital. And then the doctor looks at me and he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm leaving the hospital. You kicked me out. I'm all good. He's like, yeah, but we need that, that wheelchair for people who actually need it. And so I get up and I'm walking away. You know, I was fine. Uh, but here's what I realized about, you know, our hurts, our anxieties. And even in this random moment, the truth is I wasn't in the wheelchair because I was broken. I was in the wheelchair because I was hurting. And so often our hurt can seem and look like brokenness. But the truth is, man, you might be hurt, and it's not the same as being broken. Like, Jesus can always repair what feels hurt, and even what feels like broken, God wants to repair it. Man, man, God wants to repair it. He wants to deal with this stuff. And so we're going to deal with this today. And let me say it like this, too, because I've, I've dealt with anxiety a lot in my life. And there would be so many times where I would tell people, hey, I'm really dealing with this anxiety. And they would say, so fast, all you got to do is just pray the devil out of you and you're going to be okay. Which is fine. You can do that. But if I'm really honest, man, anxiety and depression and trauma, they are not demonic. You know what they are? They're human. It's usually a human expression, a human experience that says, I need more of Jesus, less of me and more of him. The higher anxiety I have is usually meaning that I have way more of me than I have of Jesus. And so, and the truth is, oftentimes, at least for me, I can often be my own worst devil. See, so many times I would be anxious getting on a plane, doing other things in life. I'd be so anxious and I would, my thoughts would guide me down a way and I would give credit to the enemy for what I was doing for myself. So I would be worried, I would be anxious, but I would blame the devil for the thoughts I was thinking myself and I would make the devil bigger and I would make my God smaller all just because of how I was thinking. 
But what I love about the word of God, in, in the book of Corinthians, it says we actually have the ability to deal with our thoughts in a healthy, holy way. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says that we have the ability to take captive every thought and to make it obedient to Christ. And I love this because from the baseline of understanding biblically, this says this, is that no matter how I feel, the Bible says that I can think differently regardless of my feelings. I mean, I can, I can think differently. Then there's this verse that has radically changed my life. It is a Philippians 4.8. It's pretty popular, pretty common verse people know. But it changed my life in regards to thinking and in regards to faith because it says this. It says, summing it all up, my friends, you'll do best by meditating, filling your minds and meditating on things that are true. Someone say true. Yeah, yeah, true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. And I, I love this verse because it says focus on what is actually true. And I don't know about you, but there are so many times in every situation of my life so often, I used to do this thing where I wouldn't think of what is true. I would think of the worst case scenario of what could be true. And let's be real. There are so many things that could be, but man, but with God, he has things that should be. And so, man, I want to focus on what is actually true. I want to focus on what is actually true. And, and in these moments, you know, I'd get on planes because I still had to fly occasionally. Man, the, the, really the wind for me, even now occasionally, I'll get nervous occasionally on a, on a flight, is all I have to ask myself is this biblical question. What is true? I want to help you out kind of practically in a biblical standpoint of if you start feeling anxious about anything, ask yourself this question. What right now, what is actually true? Not what could be true, because there's a lot of things that could be true, but right now, what is actually true? And these feelings are, are real that we have, and, and what I love about Jesus is that we can relate to him, and he relates to us. There's these two words uh, in the Bible that are the easiest to memorize, shortest verse in the entire Bible. John eleven thirty five, 35, and it says this. It says, Jesus wept. And for me, it's kind of a random verse. It's kind of, you know, it's very common, very popular. It's really easy to memorize. makes you feel really spiritual, which is awesome. But here's what I love is that Jesus relates to us in this moment. Now, the context of what's happening before he weeps, he has two friends, Mary and Martha, that come to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, our friend, our brother, your friend, your friend Lazarus, is sick and is dying. And Jesus responds to them. Right away, because he is fully man, but he's also fully God, so he is all-knowing. And he tries to give them this peace, this truth. And Jesus says in 11, John eleven four, 4, Jesus says, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's actually for God to get glorified and for him to get bigger. And so Jesus knew it was going to be okay. So they, But by the time they get to where Lazarus is, Lazarus, they get to where Lazarus should be, but Lazarus is in a tomb, and Lazarus has been dead for four days. And I don't know about you, but if I was a disciple of Jesus, and you told me, Jesus, that's going to be okay, if I'm standing at the tomb, you know what it feels like? It doesn't feel okay. It doesn't feel like it's going to be okay. And so yet, Jesus gets to this moment. He realizes his friend is dead, and Jesus wept. 
Jesus does something publicly that many of us don't even do privately. So often when we have these larger emotions, these larger expressions of feelings, so many times we kind of push them down and then they come up at random places when they shouldn't. But Jesus, in this moment when he weeps, he really shows us his humanity. He feels his feelings. And so many of us would never do this, but there's actually this great benefit that Jesus does because the people, they see Jesus and what they say is this. They see Jesus weeping, and their response is this. See how much he loved him. See, Jesus being real with himself, feeling his feelings, and even expressing it a little bit. Jesus showed his humanity and actually showed his love for his friend Lazarus. And so many of us know how the story ends. Jesus calls out Lazarus. And he actually he kind of you know, has this moment. Now, Jesus is crying, and you know he has this moment. But then he kind of has this moment of grief and mourning, and then he moves on, and he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus is raised from the dead, comes out of the tomb, and everyone has a great time. They're partying. It's amazing. I used to wonder then, so if Jesus, you knew it was going to be okay, you said it was going to be okay, it ends up being okay, I used to wonder, why would Jesus weep? Why would he cry if the entire time he knew it was going to be okay? And here's what I've started to realize is Jesus, man, Jesus knew it was going to be okay, but he wept when it wasn't actually okay. He knew it was going to be okay, but he wept when it wasn't actually okay. And I think Jesus gives us permission. He kind of shows us something as believers, as humans, that it's okay to feel how you feel. But it's not okay to stay that way forever. You know, Jesus even himself, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And so it's okay to mourn, because then you'll get comforted. But you don't want to live in a place of mourning forever. Otherwise, it's never a good life. It's never really healthy. We, it's okay to feel how you feel, but it's not okay to stay there forever. And so I think we kind of kind of see this of how do we deal with these hurts, these anxieties, even these past traumas that kind of have gone into our future I mean, it is, is, you know, first off is understanding that hurt is not the same as being broken, that Jesus wants to repair. You are never irreparable with Jesus. Jesus wants to repair you. The second thing is this is focus on what is actually true. And the third thing is this, is invite Jesus in. Invite Jesus in. And here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus doesn't want to just fix your problems. He wants to validate how you feel in the midst of it all. You know, so I've been married for a couple years, and I realized pretty quick, not quick enough, but pretty quick, that whenever my wife brings up a problem, for some bizarre reason, she does not want all of my 27 solutions to her one problem. I don't get it. I have no idea. But what I've actually started to realize over time is my wife, my friends, and even myself to God oftentimes, is I'm not always looking for an immediate solution. I'm looking for validation within my problem. And I believe this. Jesus wants to do two things even this morning. He wants to validate how you feel, let you know that it's okay to feel how you feel, and then he wants to walk you out of that place, out of that pit, and he wants to give you life abundantly, better than you could ever ask, seek, or imagine. And even if you feel like you're underneath the weight of all of this pressure, anxiety from your past, or even right now, Jesus wants to get underneath the weight with you, feel the weight, and then take it off of you. And so we're going to kind of deal with this for a minute. And, and, and here's the thing, we're going to deal with it with Jesus. Because, I mean, I also have friends who help me with these kind of issues. Like I have pastors, I have a therapist, I have counselors, coaches, all of these things. They're amazing. 
But the truth is, man, people can help you, but only Jesus can heal you. I mean, people can help you, which is amazing. I need their help. Oh, my goodness, I need it. But only Jesus can fully heal me. And, I mean, I've been doing counseling for years. But, man, one moment of restoration with Jesus is better than 10,000 appointments of counseling. Man, man, and I want them to be hand in hand. But, man, tonight or today, this morning, I want us to have a moment with Jesus. Because many of us uh, have, these, have these problems with us all the time. And here's, here's what I think is really interesting. So, um... I personally, I've never ridden a horse in my entire life. Never once. But I'm curious. Raise your hand if you've ever ridden a horse. Raise your hand if you Almost all of you. Okay, I feel ashamed, but it's fine. So I was never cool enough to have, be on a horse. I don't know if that's a cool thing, but whatever. So, but I, this is real. I have a friend who is a veterinarian. And for some reason, I can't remember how this came up. But she told us about this, this real medical term, a veterinary term for horses. Uh, and it's called proud flesh. Proud flesh. And with horses, many times they can get injured, and it's called proud flesh, where the outside heals faster than the inside. And so a horse can get injured in some way, and to many people, it'll look normal. So they can touch that area, and but then when they touch that area, the horse freaks out, they go crazy, and no one has any idea why. Because it looks okay on the outside, because the outside healed faster than the inside. And so in a veterinary term, this is called proud flesh. And what I've realized is for myself and many other believers, maybe even this morning, many of us have a similar issue where we, we've, we've healed on the outside, but we haven't actually let Jesus in on the inside. And so all of a sudden, maybe you have these moments like I've had where someone will be talking to you and all of a sudden they'll kind of touch a part of your life that still isn't healed on the inside. And then you'll have a big reaction, whether it's anger, frustration, and people will be like, where in the world did this come from? And it came from my past that never healed. And so what I want us to do, in fact, my friend on the keys make his way up. We're going to kind of talk through something of this process of how we can receive healing. Because here's what I've realized. For so many of us, we've had issues that we haven't healed from for our, from our past, whether it's a week ago or days ago or, or months or years, decades ago. And here's what ends up happening for so many people. People, they get hurt when they were six years old. They never get healing and so they were hurt when they were six years old, and now they're 36 years old, but they still hurt like a six-year-old. And I don't want us to be like that. I want us to be mature believers who can receive healing in every area of our life, both for things that have recently happened and things that have happened a long time ago. And so Jesus wants to guide us through this with Holy Spirit. I love that Jesus says, you know, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And Holy Spirit is often addressed as a comforter. And the same word that Jesus uses for comfort and the same identifier as comforter that Holy Spirit is, is the same exact word in the original, like a biblical language. And so Holy Spirit wants to comfort you. He wants to take care of you. And, and, I, and I absolutely love this. And so what I want us to do for a moment is I want us to kind of walk through something and pray through this. Because I don't know about you, but at least for me, there are many times where I've had issues, anxieties, mess ups, where it feels like I'm going through the same issues over and over again. I have the same anxieties. I have the same problems over and over again. And oftentimes we have this, but we have a solution to this with Jesus. So if you're taking notes on anything, well, this is the thing to take notes on. We're going to go through this cycle real quick, and then we're going to pray through it. And this always, there's four things, and it always starts with an event. The first thing that happens is we have an event. So for me, the event that I experienced was this. 
I was on a plane that caught on fire. That shouldn't happen. It almost never does. And, and, and maybe for you, uh, let's just have a hypothetical. Maybe the, the event that you had is that you, is that you lost your job and the event happened. That shouldn't happen. I hate that that happened for you. But events, they just happen. We live in a fallen world of sin. And so bad things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad things. It happens to bad people. And bad things just happen. Events sometimes just happen. I don't want them for me, and I definitely don't want them for you. And God doesn't want them for you either. But we live in a fallen world where events, they just happen. And so we have these events, we have these issues that come up, whether recently or decades ago. And so for me, I was on a plane that caught on fire. And then after we have an event, oftentimes we go from having an event to then we believe a lie about the event. So for me, the lie I believed was this. I believed from a surface level, I believe that planes are not safe, which isn't true in any realm. It is way more dangerous for me to drive to the airport every week than me getting onto the plane. Man, it's flying is like the safest way of travel by way far. And yet I believed that it wasn't safe. That was the lie I believed. But if I'm honest and vulnerable with you, the real lie wasn't just that planes weren't safe. The deeper lie I believed was that I'm not safe unless I'm in control. Unless I'm in control of it all, then I, then I felt safe. And so maybe for you, you, uh, you were in a place where you lost your job. That was your event. And maybe the lie that you believe is this, is that you're never going to be okay financially. Like I'm always going to have less. I'm always going to have lack. I'm always going to have this. It's all, I'm always going to get let down. And what often happens once we have these lies we believe about the issue or about ourselves is then we do these things to protect ourselves. We create these defenses. So we have, we have an event, then we have a lie, we believe about it. Then we have these, these defenses we create. So we try to avoid all of these feelings. I don't wanna feel this way, so I'm gonna defend myself from doing this. And so for me, man, I was on a plane that caught on fire. I felt like I wasn't safe unless I was in control. So the defense I had was I was taking control and I'm just not gonna fly. If I don't fly, then if a plane catches on fire, no big deal, because I'm not on it. No big deal for me. And which is all of it's so silly now. And maybe for you, an event was in the past, or maybe even recently, maybe you lost a job and you believed a lie that it, it's always gonna be like this. You're always gonna struggle. And so the, the defense you always have is this. You always operate from a struggle. So you don't give, you don't, you're not tithing, you're not generous. And then you know what happens when we have these defenses like this? We have these reactions. And then you know what almost always ends up happening? When we don't tithe, when we're not generous, when we don't get on those planes, we don't go the places that our Father is calling us to go. Man, man, if, you, if you've lost something, if you've lost a job, man, you believe a lie that it's always gonna be like this, so your defense is you're gonna hoard all of your money and you're not gonna tithe, then you know what's gonna happen? Man, you're, you're not gonna be as blessed and it messes up. Or maybe another salute, another event is this, Maybe you had a relationship that didn't work out. And so you always have this, this lie that says, people are always gonna let me down. So the defense you have is you always push people away. You never let people in. And the reaction is this, you end up living a very lonely life. And then you know what often happens? Because we do these, these defenses, we have these reactions almost always. We live these lives that doesn't let people in. I don't fly. And then these events happen again. We, we start looking for the events to happen all over again. 
And whenever you look for the bad, you will almost always end up finding it. And when you look at this, you might be like, okay, Ty, um, I don't know about you, Ty, but I have the solution. If you just get rid of the events, we're golden. No more problems. The issue with that is if you get rid of bad events, you also really get rid of good events. And events just happen. I wish bad things didn't happen, but bad things happen. The problem with this is not the event. The problem with this is the lie. And if you get rid of the lie, then there's no defense and there's no reaction. And usually you can kind of break that cycle uh, that we often have a self-sabotaging cycle in these kind of ways. But what I want us to do is this. I want us to kind of pray through this in a kind of a unique way. Maybe you haven't prayed like this before. But we're going to take like, I mean, seven minutes probably. And we're going to kind of walk through this together. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm going to have you kind of actually sit where you're at. Because for just a moment, at least just for this Sunday, I love altars. We're going to do those tonight, actually. But, man, but this morning, I want us to learn how to pray in a unique way exactly where we're at. Because there are times in our life where we need to learn how to process with Jesus exactly where we're at. And so here's what I want us to do. If we can all do this, if we can all bow our heads and close our eyes, just so that we can, instead of focusing on me, you can focus on Jesus. I just kind of want to walk you through, coach you through something that someone's done this with me. And, and before we do anything, though, before we walk through these kind of these trauma moments, these anxieties maybe we might be having or carrying with us, there may be some of us who have something deeper than just anxiety. We might have some sin issues. We might have some other issues in our life of, of never giving our life to Jesus. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is not private, but it is personal. If you're here and you'd say, hey, I need to give my life to Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time. And online, this is for you as well. Of course, all of this. If you're here and you'd say, hey, I need to give my life to Jesus for the first time, or I need to give him back my life back to Jesus, Jesus is real. He's the son of the living God who died for you in your place, lived a perfect life the entire time, something we could never do. And then he died on a cross, was risen from the dead three days later, abolishing all of your sin, guilt, shame, so that you can have heaven here on earth as you live and have heaven after you die. And it's amazing. And Jesus wants to give you life everlasting. And so before we kind of deal with our, our inner issues, I want to deal with these eternal issues. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to have you come up to the front or anything like that. I just want to know who I'm praying for. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you'd say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just so I know who I'm praying for, could you just raise your hand so I know who we're praying with this morning? Awesome. 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 All right, you can put your hands down. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray for those two people who said yes to Jesus as a radiant family because we do this as a radiant family. Man, you are not called to do this by yourself. You're called to do this in community with others. And so we're going to pray this together. The prayer, man, it doesn't do a whole ton. The heart change does everything, though. And the, the Bible says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. So the prayer is something, but the heart change is everything. So I'd love for my entire radiant family if we all just pray out loud, say, Jesus, I give you my whole life. I know you died for me. I know you rose from the dead for me. I repent of my sin. I'm all in for you. I give you my whole life. And here's what I want us to do as we're still praying as a, a believing family. I want us to walk through this just for a couple minutes. And we're going to pray through basically like five or six things. And each one of them just takes about a minute. And today is not the all-encompassing healing of our past, although maybe for some of us it could be. God can do that. But for a lot of us, this is a process we're going to step into this morning. 
And so what I want you to do with every head bowed and every eye closed, just so you focus on Jesus, not not on me. And even if you're watching online, I encourage you just to close your eyes and focus on Jesus. The first thing I want us to do is ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what issue do you want me to deal with? Or Holy Spirit, this is the issue I want to deal with. Holy Spirit, what event do you want me to deal with? What trauma, what anxiety do you want me to deal with? Or here's the issue I want you to deal with. And after every time I kind of give you a prayer set up, I want you to just just on your own, just hear from him. I'm gonna get the microphone every time for like 30 seconds just to give you that personal time to learn how to hear his voice in a unique way this morning. So the first thing, Holy Spirit, what is it you want me to deal with? Or you can tell him, you might know, Holy Spirit, this is the anxiety, this is the issue I want you to deal with. just so I know where the room is at. This is not based on a success or failure in any regards. This is just to help me to lead this this group of people, to lead all of you just this this morning. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're able to identify with Holy Spirit or you telling Holy Spirit the issue you want to deal with, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're able to identify what you want to deal with with Jesus this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just so I know where the room is at, can you just raise your hand if you're able to kind of picture that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, 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 awesome. All right, put your hands down. So the next thing is this, and I'll be honest, this part is usually the hardest for everybody, including myself, but I promise you, if you'll trust in Jesus and kind of follow me a little bit this morning, is it gets way, way better. Man, the beginning, this part might be a hurt because you know we're hurt people who kind of hurt, but by the end, we are free people who free people. So the first thing is, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to deal with? And the second thing is this, Holy Spirit, would you show me where this feeling started? Would you show me the place where this all started? Whether it's the event or those feelings I've been having, Holy Spirit, would you show me the place where this started? Here's what I want you to do with. And now, Holy Spirit, would you show me where this started? And for some of us, it might be really hard. I totally understand that. But we're gonna, what I want us to do is kind of to this morning is kind of change our viewpoint of the place a little bit. So with every head bowed, never eye closed, if you're able to, with Holy Spirit's help for sure, if you're able to kind of identify that place where this all kind of started for you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just so I know where the room is at. If you're able to identify that place, can you just raise your hand just so I know where the room is at? Awesome, 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 awesome. You can totally take your time. You're, you're totally good. You're still on the first point? No big deal. All good. So Holy Spirit, what do you want me to deal with? Would you show me where this started? And now the next prayer point is this. Holy Spirit, would you show me that Jesus was in the room? Would you show me that in that place? Would you show me Jesus in that place where it started? And I want you to either kind of, kind of almost picture him there or however you feel like you can best understand that he was in that place. And I get it. It might feel like God would never be, Jesus would never be there. Why would he be in such an awful place? 
because Jesus loves to be in your darkest places and bring them to light. Jesus did not cause this to happen. He did not want this to happen. He loves you. He wants to see you through it. So Holy Spirit, what do you want me to deal with? Would you show me where this started? And now, would you show me, Jesus, that you were there the whole time? about never had closed if you're able to identify able to see or believe that Jesus would be there with you with every head bowed never had closed just so I know where the room is at can you just raise your hand if you're able to kind of picture Jesus there with you awesome 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 you can put your hands down and for some of us that might still be kind of hard to understand that he would be there but the truth is Jesus doesn't just want the best parts of you he wants all of you all the darkest parts and the best parts. He wants to be a part of every part. So Holy Spirit, what do you want me to deal with? Would you show me where this started? Would you show me that Jesus was there? And now, this is kind of the big moment, or one of them, is Jesus, would you tell me the lie I've been believing about this place? Jesus, what's the lie I've been believing about this place? Or if you want to be really real with yourself, the other question might be this, what is the lie I've been believing about myself because of this place? What do you want me to deal with? Would you show me where this started? Would you show me, Jesus, that you were there? And now, Jesus, what's the lie I've been believing about myself or this place? some of us, because this was me, it was hard to identify the lie I believed about the place because I had created an entire identity around it. I would often say, I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I am sick. We have all these I am statements, but the great I am wants to reveal something better for you. So Holy Spirit, what is it you want me to deal with? Would you show me where it started? Would you show me, Jesus, that you were there? And now, Jesus, would you reveal to me the lie I've been believing about myself or this place. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, just so I know where the room is at, if you're able to identify that lie and start that process of that at least, could you just raise your hand just so I know where the room is at? Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, and just two more things. And even before we invite Holy Spirit into two more areas, I want to kind of almost, we have to ask ourselves the question, what if that's not true? That lie I've been believing what would change for me if that isn't true? And even with that thought, there's two more things we're just going to do this morning. And the next one is great. What I want you to do in your own way is just to give the lie to Jesus. He wants to take the pain. He wants to take the hurt. He wants to take the lie. He wants to take all of it. When he died on the cross for you, he didn't just die for your sin. He also dealt and was on it for the side effects of sin, of the pain, the anxiety, the depression. So I'm gonna give us like a minute for this. And we can, this is just the starting of the process. We can pray for this later for sure. But Jesus, I give you the lie. I give you the pain. I surrender myself to you. 
understand this can be really hard for some of us, and some of us it's really freeing. In either way, it's a process. There's no wins, there's no failures. It's all good with Jesus. So Jesus, I just I give you the lie. The lie I've been believing about myself, about my past, about my future. I don't know about you, but for me, for so long, I was basing my future based off my past, which is exactly the opposite of the gospel. He wants to give you a better future. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just so I know where the room is at, if you're able to start that process of handing that over to Jesus, can you just raise your hand just so I know where the room is at? Awesome, awesome, awesome. And here's how we're going to kind of wrap this up, is in the best way I know how to, is if, I'm, if I've, I've, I've identified this issue in my life, if I've realized that there's a beginning to it, if I'm inviting Jesus into all of it, I'm handing it over, all the pain, all of the lies I've been believing, if I'm handing over the lie to Jesus, then there's only one thing really left to do. And if I hand over a lie to Jesus, what Jesus, I'm telling you what he wants to do for you is he wants to give you a new truth. He wants to give you something to stand on. Because so many of us, we have identified with an identifier, with an issue of our past, but God wants to have you identify with the salvation of your future. He wants you to identify with what he has for you. And so I'm going to get off the microphone for a minute. I want you just to listen to him of what is true. And anything you hear, it'll only be positive, affirming, loving, kind, and encouraging. Because he wants to give you a new truth. this is just a process. This is not, I mean, when the service ends, that does not mean that the healing ends. It means it just continues in a different place. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're able to start that process of getting some new truths from Jesus, just so I know where the room is at, can you just lift your hand if you're starting to grasp on a new truth from Jesus? Awesome, 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 awesome. You can put your hands down. Jesus, I pray for my friends that this would not be a one-time event, but this would be a continual process of you dealing with my past so I can operate in the future better that you want to have for me. Jesus, I pray that my friends, man, that they would have no lack, that the best is yet to come for them. Man, that their homes would be full of more joy and laughter than ever before in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So here's what I love. So I fly, you know, it's really wild. Um, growing up, I had two major fears, major. It would paralyze me. My two greatest fears growing up for a long time, for like 20 years, was flying and public speaking. Those are my two greatest fears. What I do now every week of my life is I fly to publicly speak, which is just crazy. And if honestly, like if a decade ago, I would have told you that this is what my life looks like now, and I would tell you that you're crazy because I was in a different place. But now I'm trying to be a free person who frees other people. And now, here's what's wild. I used to be terrified of planes. Now I fly so much, I have favorite planes to be on. It's all a mess. And here's what I believe. God wants to take some of those issues, whether it's bad relationships, and he wants to show you the best relationships. Man, the place where you had the most anxiety, I believe in some situations, 
He wants to give you the greatest joy. And as Pastor Chris comes up, I wanna tell you one last thing that I love. I'm gonna fly home tomorrow, and you know what I'm really thankful for? I have never once in my life seen a pilot get on the plane wearing a parachute. Praise Jesus. If I do tomorrow, I'm telling you right now, I ain't getting on that plane, no chance. But you know what's crazy is even though I never saw that, I would act as if you always had one on. And if in a deeper way, if I'm really real with myself, so many times the lies I believed about myself, man, they were parachutes for God's plan for me. And I wanna encourage you, and I believe what God is even saying to many of you is, man, is to leave the parachute and just get on the plane that God is calling you to get on. It's really hard to be in God's plan A and your plan B at the same time. And I believe God has the radical best for you. I would love just to say hi to you after service. I'll be at a book table. I wrote a book called The Holy Spirit is Not a Bird. There's an entire chapter on it that is exactly what we went through today. So if you want to kind of re-go through this prayer thing or you know someone who this would be good for them, uh, check out that book. It'd be really great. And if you financially can't afford it, but you really want to get it, just let me know. I'll just gift it to you. But if you do have money, it's really cool. Every book that you buy uh, actually feeds a child uh, in need. It is my child, but it's fine. Um, no, I'm just teasing. Hey, but uh, for you guys are awesome. I'd love to see you. And for real, I believe the best for all of you in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much, Pastor Ty, for sharing with us and encouraging us. And I want to encourage you. Let's take Jesus to our world. And let's be people that free people. Freed people that free people. Also tonight, if you have students 6th to 12th grade, be sure they get here for Pastor Ty. They're going to talk on Holy Spirit. Believe God is going to move. And I just want to finish our morning with a quick testimony. We were on Monday night this week at General Council Fine Arts Service, and our little man, uh, Chandler, our eight-year-old, he was standing in between Rachel and myself, and we were worshiping Jesus, and he's a physical touch guy. He was hanging on us, and he was singing, and he was worshiping. And then he was doing his own thing, and he waits. And then he says, hey, Dad, how do you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, well, you speak in tongues. He's like, oh, well, I've just been doing that. So our son, not praying for the Holy Spirit, that's not what the service was about, was worshiping and was filled with the Holy Spirit all by himself as he was just worshiping Jesus. And Jesus moves in your life and shows up in your life. And whatever you need today, I believe God wants to do it. And so be sure, as you're on the way home, maybe this week you're listening to worship music, maybe you're in your own prayer closet, you never know what God just might do because he's a personal God and he loves you and he cares for you. And some of your students tonight, some of our students are going to be filled with the Spirit. They're going to have God move. Something special is going to happen. So let's keep them in prayer. Let's keep believing for them. It is going to be a great time this evening. Also, if you want to be a part of supporting Pastor Ty, and we want to really bless him, you can give at Radiant.Family in the black boxes as you leave. We just love to support people that are taking Jesus and helping people walk in freedom. So love you all. Party with the pastors right after service in the glass room on the other side of that wall begins. If you're new to Radiant Life, please stop by. Pastor Rachel and I, we would love to meet you. We are just thankful that you are part this morning. And I love you all this week. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. Party with the pastors begins right now. <laughs>